This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Hot Four Podcast. Now, last year and the year before last, I ran the Sheffield Half Marathon. And if you're unfamiliar with Sheffield, it's famous for being built on seven hills. So you can imagine what state my little legs were in having negotiated half a route up a 1,125 foot elevation. I was absolutely knackered. However, at the finish line, they give you a nice cold beer for your efforts. But it's not just any beer, it's an alcohol-free beer. Now, I don't know what your perceptions are of alcohol-free beers, and I'm sure most of us have had some pretty bad experiences with some of them. And just as an aside, I purchased one for the purposes of researching this episode, and it was so incredibly foul and offensive, it went back down the sink. In fact, it probably came from the sink, it was so horrid, and maybe they just bottled it. Um, I won't tell you which brewery it was either. <laughs> you can guess. Um, but whatever your perceptions and preconceptions are of low ABV beers, I don't think there's anyone leading the way in what's becoming a larger segment of the beer market and the wider drinks industry in general um, than Big Drop Brewing. So Big Drop specialise in low ABV beers. So all their beers are under 0.5% alcohol by volume. And whereas some of the beers out there that are low alcohol or no alcohol are just quite frankly awful, the ones from Big Drop Brewing, and I'm not just saying this, they're absolutely fantastic. Uh, the Stout one, which was my favourite, won the gold in the International Beer Challenge last year. And it came silver in the UK entry at the World Beer Awards. And the Pale Ale was, the, I believe, the world's best style winner. And they've just released, get this, and I haven't tried this yet, uh, a sour beer, so they've made a sour, low-alcohol beer, which I just think is such innovation and progression. And since recording this episode with Johnny Clayton, who's the brewer at Big Drop Brewing, um, we've seen multiple breweries open that only brew low ABV beers. So Nirvana Brewery, based in East London, and Infinite Session in Hackney Wick. We've also seen a bit of a resurgence of beers that aren't alcohol-free but are really sessionable. And I think Cloudwater are, are really leading the way in that with their small IPAs, which at 2.9% carry as much, I think, flavour as their double IPA counterparts. I think they're brilliant. Um, and I think people, as they become more health-conscious, will see a rise in the amount of dry drink festivals and Personally speaking, I've even started drinking uh, Big Drop or even Manic State as a go-to beer if I'm driving and stuff. So all that being said, let's dive into this great episode, an interview with Johnny Clayton from Big Drop Brewing Co. and find out what he's got to say about brewing low ABV beers. All right, well, today on the podcast, I'm joined by Johnny Clayton from Big Drop Brewing. How are you, how are you Johnny? Yeah, good. Cheers. Yeah, nice good. to be here. Um, for, for our listeners, just give us a bit, bit of background as to who you are, what uh, what you've done, how you got into the brewing industry. Sure. Uh, well, I guess I've been brewing for, I think, about 10 years um, total, including my time as a home brewer. Not actually in the industry, but I went from there uh, just brewing at home uh, whilst working in finance and went and uh, discovered, I discovered World Beer Co. fairly early on in my brewing. Um, 
and uh, helped out down there when they were very sort of new. Oh, wow, nice. When they still had like three fermenters, I think it was. Yeah. And um, yeah, I went down there, helped out a few times, and uh, literally the week I signed up on Twitter, uh, they were applying, well, they put an application out for a job, um, and uh, I went down there and got the job and went from there, really. Uh, I was there for about two and a half years, I think it was, two or three, um, doing an awful lot of brewing. Yeah. Uh, I think we started on Brew 89, I think it was. And when I left, it was about 350. Goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of those were double brews as well. So uh, I did uh, at least 90, 90 to 95% of those brews myself. Um, learned a lot about barrels and souring and lactobacillus and botanomyces and all that wonderful stuff. Yeah. And as well as all the packaging, et cetera, et cetera. And, I mean, I should uh, imagine it was a real um, sort of growth school for you. Oh yeah, I mean it was it was I was very lucky because um, it was it was just at the right time. Uh it was craft beer was really kicking off but nobody had no one else had dared give up their day job and just go oh sod it I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> and uh, so I got in quite early. Um and I learned, I learned a lot um from working there and um from the reading I was encouraged to do and everything so yeah. I just I learned loads and and sort of after a few years there I sort of uh, thought well maybe I can do this myself now, and I set up my own little brewery, Hubrisid, um, which is still operates out of my house, right. um, which I sell to uh, sort of uh, local places, uh, and it ranges from pails to you know weird and wonderful yeah. stuff with, like, yeah, just batshit crazy stuff. Um, so, what sort of capacity are you doing from home? Uh, literally, I, I chuck out a corny keg or two. Right. Uh, it's really very little, um, but the rest of the time I'm consulting for other breweries. So I'm uh, up and down to London uh, fairly regularly. Mm -hmm. I used to operate out of Ubrew there. Um, I was consulting for them on that while they were being set up. Uh, no recipe generation, purely uh, production. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I went there and um, I was working there with their commercial members, getting them ready to teach them how to use the kit and what to expect from the industry and all that. Uh, always told people not to expect making a profit from commercial <laughs> brewing. Yeah. Uh, from cookie brewing, rather. Uh, yeah, it's more about getting your name out there. And, uh, yeah, I went from there, met a few people. I met um, most of my clients came from there to start with. And um, I met Rob from Big Drop there, who he came to you, Brew, and says, I want to make a low alcohol beer. Is it possible? And he'd seen a few other consultants. They were like, oh, I don't want to waste your time. I feel guilty taking your money, that sort of thing. And he came and talked to me. And I was like, yeah, I'll give that a go. <laughs> I'll give that a go. I reckon it's doable. And of course, I came from a background which was quite unconventional in brewing. And um, yeah, I just cracked out a few recipes and uh, nailed the milk stout and then went on to the pails and the lagers and things. And yeah, and uh, here we are today. Fantastic. I mean, so Big Drop Brewing, why don't you introduce us to the brewery and sort of what makes it unique? Well, it's just the, the, the USP is really, uh, it's 0.5% it's beer. And... Uh, it tastes good, which uh, is a phenomenon. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've tried Calibre and um, other such beers, yeah. uh, which are all done like reverse osmosis or um, uh, vacuum distillation, things like that. We, we differ from that because those are huge commercial uh, industrial processes. And we were starting off on a 30-litre pilot kit and brewing up to 800 when we were ready. Now we're brewing on fifteen thousand litre kit, uh, so it's all been scaled up. But we just make a beer. We don't do anything to it. It's like 
um, these ones which have been uh, used, uh, had reverse osmosis and stuff like that, they, they've started off with a finished product and then yeah. removed something. What we like to do is, uh, you know, put something that might look a little bit weird, make a weird looking recipe, and when it's finished, it's it's a finished product as it should be. It's just a beer, but it just happens to be zero point five. So effectively, you're you're making beer that's just very low alcohol beer. Yeah, that's exactly it. And so, there are a few tricks to doing that. Yeah, and obviously, and like you said before we start recording, there are certain things you can't sort of discuss yeah. there. So, um, <laughs> um, sorry to our listeners who are kind of like, I just wanted the answers to make low alcohol beer. But I mean, one one of the things is, and again, if you can't discuss this, that's fair. But one of the things is considerations with low alcohol beer is that a lot of people tend to report they can be quite thin yep. I mean I've not had a, a big drop um, beer yet mm. and, um, I, I am sort of keeping my eyes out because I'm really interested in trying it um, Around. are they I mean how do you is that just a natural byproduct of having a low ABV beer that it is it, you just you don't have that body you would with a, yeah, a, a big, bigger so, beer the thing is if you're doing a normal beer so just some standard 5% pale ale you're always going to get residual sugars left over unless you're using, I don't know, a Britannomyces or mm. a pretty hearty uh, Saison strain, something like that. And so, and even then you'll get some mouthfeel, won't you? So, um, yeah, so you, it, the whole thing about the low alcohol beer is um, you have to uh, take out uh, something is missing. So you have to put that in back in other ways. So if I was to show you the malt bill, Mm-hmm. just to try and get a little bit of malt flavour and residual sort of mouthfeel. you think I was insane. You'd look at it and go, that, that's not beer. That, what the hell is that? Yeah. And it's like, well, it, it, that, it works. <laughs> but it's all about getting stuff back in there. I mean, like you say, the thinness, uh, it, it's a real issue with low alcohol beer because it just strips out all the body. Yeah. So you just have to put it back in. It's like the flavour. You have to put that back in. You take out the alcohol, it loses all its balance, all its sort of um, delicateness and just... You're just throwing everything out. So you have to find ways to put everything back in. Mm. Mouthfeel, sweetness, flavour. It's, it's re- it, 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 the whole rule book's changed. Yeah. I mean, um, so you, I mean, you were sort of saying um, that with the grist bill, you know, you'd look at it and think you're insane. I mean, you must have had to do a load of test batches. Yeah. To, I mean, how did you learn the whole process of doing, doing like, low ABV beer? Um, uh, well, it was... Just experience, really. Um, I had an idea kick around the back of my head um, for a while, but it was like when I was approached by Rob, it really gave me the the opportunity to look at into it full time. And I did do. I think it was um, got the milk stout after three three or four brews. I had mm. I was in the right direction. I was hitting the ABV and the flavour was there. And then we went on to like I think it was match six, and it was like yeah, we nailed it on five. So. <laughs> It doesn't take that much if you've got um, the experience. So I had to learn a whole new set of rules. And once I sort of established those, it became a lot easier to make the other ones. Yeah. So I sort of had these concepts, as it were, and I just applied them to the new recipes. So he says, okay, we'll do a pale ale. I said, okay, well, I need to do this and I need to do that. And sort of apply the theory and, um, Mm -hmm. and it works, which is great. So how, how different, without going into details, is the process from you, you, a, a regular beer? I'm, I feel really tentative yeah, <laughs> when I say like regular, normal good. beer. <laughs> uh, um, it, to all intents and purposes, it is just a beer. 
there's nothing unusual in that process. Um, <laughs> it sounds a bit contradictory, but um, there's no like industrial process where something's been refined or pulled out or added. It is just a beer. So it's a mash, a sparge, a boil, cooling, fermentation. Nothing out of the ordinary. Um, just the way I do it is, um, I wouldn't say it's pushing the the boundaries of what a normal brew would be, but it's mm. um, it's possibly it's outside the boundaries. I'm breaking a lot of rules right, to make yeah. it beer. <laughs> <laughs> so um, nothing, you know, unhygienic or unsafe. Yeah, yeah. But um, if yeah, if I was to tell you the process and I'll show you the the whole brew sheet, it's like I was saying, the grist is yeah. mental. But to show you the whole brew sheet, you think, nah, you're you're nuts. Yeah, I should, I should imagine there's um, it's like wow, ninety five percent chocolate malt. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it rings a bell. Yeah, because <laughs> because we, we're contract brewing, um, we've actually been turned down by a few breweries when we approached them to. To, to brew our beer there because mm. uh, the brewers frankly said what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they ducked out they weren't uh, they weren't confident that it was going to work yeah. although I'd done you know, 30 odd test batches of different things and it's like it works lads come on trust yeah. me um, and uh, yeah, it's, yeah they, they, they weren't willing to accept the, uh, the amount of uh, rules I was breaking which is fair enough yeah I mean, did you find when you upscaled from doing the small batches to contract brewing that you still had to kind of refine the process a bit? Because I know when I sort of, because I started in a similar way mm. to what you were describing earlier with your sort of beers you're doing from home, I started a commercial brew from my house. So yeah. my cellar for a while was a technically a commercial brewery. Yeah. Um, I got the letter through recently when I've deregistered now. I got the letter through recently and I felt really sad. I was like, oh, oh. I can't say that anymore. Um, but I mean, I found going from that on even to a 100 litre kit and then onto a, a 10 barrel plant that we have now, um, that there were still things that had to kind of work out um, yeah. in terms of like IBUs and, and, and mm -hmm. things I thought, well, I thought, you know, I thought it'd just be a kind of like a linear sort of scale. <laughs> I, I added this amount of hops here and so I just mm -hmm. scaled it up by that amount. But it's not like that. I mean, no. when you're throwing a the type of beers you're brewing into the mix, I mean, how how did you na navigate that? Because obviously you're spending large volumes of money then as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I was well coming from my background, sort of consulting on uh, a scale varying from my own little kit for twenty liters or something up to you know, uh, 800 and then 3000 here. And, you mm. know, I've seen all these different kits. I've run all these different kits and there's always a little bedding in time of what you're using. And I guess, um, just experience, um, some of the brews and, and a constant sort of, uh, willingness to actually improve the beers. I mean, it's never really a finished product. It's, it's always going to be a little thing. Like, well, I think I can make that a bit better. Mm. And that, that's what we do. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, there's always the sort of the quality control aspect of it as well, quality assurance rather. So um, we always get everything lab tested and we all do some tasting notes and stuff. So we're always trying to aim to hit the same thing. Yep. And just, um, you know, if, you, if you're brewing to the right gravity spec and the volume spec and and, and the flavor, you just kind of, it kind of comes. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I've always always said to my clients, I'm not a huge science-based um, 
brewer. Yeah. I, you know, I did. I went back to uni and did dental technology, so I do have a good understanding of chemistry. <laughs> but um, I'm much more sort of a practical, hands-on uh, kind of brewer, and I will go by. Uh, and people, I hate me say for saying this, I go by gut feeling as well. Mm. Um, but it's a combination of the art and the science as well, because. Uh, if there's one thing, for example, a CO2, so you get the CO2 chart and it's like, oh, yes, I'll put this at two degrees and put this much pressure on it and I'll get uh, 2.4 CO2 volumes. Like, no, it no. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Not all the time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, there's uh, certainly a bit of um, gut instinct in there for sure. Um, like any chef, it's, it's cooking, really. It's just cooking and yeah. knowing, you know. But I'm, I'm very lucky because I've, I've experienced all sorts of sizes of kit and quality of kit. And, um, yeah, just, I have, oh, I have so many spreadsheets. As well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, spread, you've got a lot of yeah. spreadsheets as a brewer. You need spreadsheets. You're yeah. not a brewer without loads of spreadsheets. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And, um, one of my first spreadsheets I, I built has an actual scaling up tool on it, which is, uh, it's phenomenal. It works off efficiency and, um, different L degree <laughs> kilos and stuff. And so the malt bill, uh, it's pretty good. If you've got using the same consistent kit, it just, it just, uh, it just works out everything from the gravity points, then works it backward and says, this is what you'll need. And it, it's pretty much spot, spot on most of the time. And then um, I use a certain formula for IBUs, uh, which I think was in John Palmer's book. I think it's that right. one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago, but it still works. Um, and I also use it for zero minute additions and things like that, which people tend to um, don't include IBUs from zero minutes. But yeah. If that's, you sit in your in in your kettle for an hour and a half while it transfers, it's yeah, that's that's gonna get some bitterness out. <laughs> yeah, I've I've discovered I discovered this when we were tweaking one of our beers, um, mm. and I thought I, I wanted a kind of orangey kind of flavour, so mm. I I got some Admiral, which is like, I think it was like forty point nine percent, so it's quite high in the alpha acids, yeah, yeah. and it's it sat there for a while, and then we transferred, and this was like our flagship sort of you know mm-hmm. sessionable pale ale and then um it went to um the pub that we sell the most of it through and all the students kind of like hang on a minute this doesn't taste right it's very bitter and when i tasted it i just knew i thought oh crap and i and, and I, I, I knew instantly that it was more bitter i didn't know why so i, I spoke to um the other brewer who's been doing it much longer it's kind of like you know you get about 90 percent isomerization <laughs> you know uh, at, at the end still Unless yeah. you know it's under a certain temperature, so yeah, you were going to get a lot of bitterness from that. But I was like, but beer smith doesn't tell you that it doesn't put any <laughs> IBUs on. You know, it's a total rookie error. But um, you know, you, you don't know these things until you, you did the whole trial and error. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's why know. everyone should do pilot kits. And Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Definitely I, trial and error for sure. Yeah. Now this morning I, I went to Tesco and um, they didn't have any um, big drop beer, but I, I bought. This, I don't oh my it. god! Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah. Sure. yeah, it was. It was. It's more for research purposes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say, but I don't think you're going to enjoy that beer. Yeah, I um, <laughs> I, I got, my, I get the feeling now. On the front of this one, um, it says original alcohol-free beer, zero point zero percent. If you turn it to the back, it says not more than zero point zero five percent ABV. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Similarly, with with sort of Nanny State, the mm. Brewdog um, low ABV beer, it's zero point five percent ABV. Yeah. Um, now, what makes a beer alcohol free, and what is considered uh, low alcohol beer, and what's the difference? It all comes down to legislation. So, 
Um, there are a few uh, sort of grey areas with it as well. Um, I know that we won't put no alcohol on our beers because it we, we sell to Sweden and stuff like that as well where the laws are different yeah so you have to label accordingly to the legislation of the country uh but Rob's kind of the guy who really knows all the ins and outs here um I, I believe 0.5 is considered low alcohol mm-hmm. and 0.0 is alcohol free right um I think there is a small bit of legislation there which says uh anything under 0.5 isn't classic classified as beer mm. A malt flavored drink or something like that, but uh, yeah, it's all it's all down to the legislation, really, and it's it's all a little bit wishy washy. Because uh, I, 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 I should imagine for a, a brew business like yours hmm. that's producing low alcohol beer, hmm. um, you, I mean, beer's pretty heavily regulated as hmm. it is anyway. Oh yeah, but in the way that when you're making gluten free foods or mm-hmm. in this instance alcohol free or low alcohol, yeah produce yeah and i should imagine you got even more hoops to jump through for um, quality assurance and and regulations sure. and all the rest of it um quality sure i mean we get everything lab tested every batch we do we send off to the lab it comes back with the abv and the uh you know, bacterial content and stuff like that etc um so from a duty point of view much easier um because you don't need to pay duty mm. you don't even need to register um, I'd recommend it, but you don't have to. Uh, and then there's AWRS as well, which, because you're not selling alcohol, you don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about bonded warehouses, anything like that. So that's all very straightforward. Um, if you start, if you accidentally churn out a beer which has got you know, 1% in it, uh, or 1.2 rather, mm-hmm. then you're paying duty and you're not registered, which, yeah, it's a whole, yeah, or potentially not registered yeah. and you're producing alcohol, which is not so good. Um, so that is easier in its way if you're you know, hitting your targets, which you should be. Mm-hmm. Um, the other problem we have is, as a such a low alcohol, there's no sort of antibacterial um, uh, staying power, as it were, in yeah. the product. So everything we do has to be sterile filtered. Simple as that. Um, which is a bit of a pain for a, yeah. for a brewer who likes to do things unfiltered, unfined, and you know, stick it in a barrel for ten years, see what happens. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, but we're not really, and that of course impairs the flavour to a certain aspect. I mean, the recipes are uh, created with the fact that we know it's going to be sterile filtered in, so we'll put we'll try and put more flavour into it, so it doesn't all get extracted. But um, there are problems, but it's nothing which can't be overcome. But legislatively it's it's easier i believe and as long as you stick to the legislation of that specific country read the labeling you're golden mm. yeah. how, how much of a market is there for low abv beers oh it's and, going nuts man <laughs> it's it, going I mean, nuts. Do, do you think that's because i mean people are becoming more health conscious aren't they and, and aware of what they're putting in their bodies yeah sure. and do you think we're going to see more beers like they sit in the shelves i think so um especially in the states we've been approached by um three or four breweries who are looking to uh, do what we do. Uh, none of the, the filtration or uh, reverse osmosis or anything like that. Mm. Um, and they're like, how do you do this? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> uh, work it out, you'll be fine. Um, so, yeah, there's a huge demand. Um, big drops selling out all over the place, which is great. Uh, um, yeah, and we just get more and more demand, so it's, it's, it's all good. I mean, um, is this the kind of thing that's going to be... 
I mean, obviously it's in small pack. Do you, do you serve it in keg or, or anything? Yeah, like that? Um, not not yet. No, I mean it's that would be amazing. Um, I can't foresee that in the next couple of years. Uh, ideally, I mean, I can't see a pub taking on a, a low ABV keg specifically, except maybe around Christmas, January. Yeah. But then you've got to get people out of the house in January anyway. Um, they're much more likely to go and sneak off, have a big drop at home. Yeah. I'm not having a beer. I'm not having a beer. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, but we were looking at maybe doing, you know, cans. But once again, it's, it's, it's 330 mil um, personal consumption. People tend to take it home and, uh, or have it when they're driving. It's not going to shift a keg that quickly. I yeah. guess. Uh, be nice if they did, but mm. <laughs> um, no, I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe in the future. Um, but then you see, there's uh, a few around already. There's, there's Bitburger, there's uh, Heaven Forbid Calibre or Bex Blue, which seems to dominate the fridges these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll never see a, a keg of that on. Mind you, they, the flavour isn't great. So yeah. maybe once <laughs> once they start tasting better, maybe, but not yet. Oh, I just yeah. noticed um, Budweiser have just mm-hmm. released um, their alcohol-free beer. I don't know if you've seen that. I, I haven't come across that one. I've I've had the Heineken one, which is, uh, yeah, that's um, that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I, 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 I mean, I dread I dread to think what it tastes like. Um, uh, it's not dissimilar to Heineken, strangely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they spent ten years, uh, no, two years developing their zero point zero, um, and I, I met the head brewer. At Heineken at a, a dry drinking festival, and he tried mine. He's like, oh, it's not bad. And I was like, oh, it took me two weeks. Yeah, making friends. Just just coming back a minute ago, you were saying about um, sort of like January, obviously at Christmas time. Yeah. I mean, um, I was out in the pub last night, and um, uh-huh. you know, the, I, I was looking for a sessionable beer, and I think mm. I mean, I had one at four point one. Everything else, so that was like five percent upwards, just because it's like it's Christmas time. Let's get wrecked. Yeah. But then obviously, there's a big push in January, particularly in the brewing industry, with this triannuary thing. Yeah, you sure. know, people generally don't want to drink, and sort of you sort of made a joke about, um, I'm not, I'm not gonna have a beer. I'm not gonna have a beer. Uh-huh. Now, w- when I bought this um, luscious alcohol-free beer earlier, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I went to the self-scanning thing in Tesco. Uh-huh. Had the little red light flashed, yeah. and they had to say I was over twenty-five. Yeah. Now that, that made me feel a bit weird because I'm kind of like, well, there's no or little alcohol in this. Yeah, I'm. St- it's still being treated as uh-huh. that kind of product. And then when yeah. I left the store, uh, um, a friend of mine walked in with his kid, and I was carrying this beer, and I'm, I suddenly had this weird guilty pang. Even though I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not drinking honestly, but I, I, I wonder whether and I want to kind of ask you. Um, do you think there's a sort of stigma surrounding low alcohol beers, either from the perception that it's somehow inferior as a product to uh, yeah. its, you know, hearty four percent upwards cousin, or from the point of view that somehow if you're drinking a low ABV beer, then you might have had or have a drinking problem of some description? Uh well, yeah, there's definitely a stigma attached to it. I've seen that firsthand, um, and there's a good reason because. A lot of low alcohol beer tastes bloody awful. Simple mm. as that. Has done for so long, nobody's challenged it or tried to make anything better. Um, I was at a, a dry drinking festival the other day. Four lads come along, 
try the samples, saying, oh, that's all right, yeah, I'll have another one. And one of the mates goes, it's got no alcohol in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they bug it off. Mm. So, you know. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of, that's, that's partly the purpose of why people drink beer, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> did, did, was that a nice beer? Did that taste like a nice beer? Oh, did it? Oh, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to have booze. Um, but, yeah, um, coming from the aspect of uh, that you would have had a drinking problem in the past, I think maybe maybe that would have been something people thought of previously or, you know, much more obviously, probably just driving or, um, mm. you know, watching your weight. But, no, I mean, it does, I think, uh, if you've had a drinking problem before, uh, I think most people tend to stay away from it. Right. I believe. Yeah. Um, that's with my limited experience yeah, yeah. in um, uh, talking to alcoholics and stuff, <laughs> you know, which is extremely limited. Trust me. Um, but we just make alcohol beer, which tastes nice and just happen. Well, the, the, the goal was when I met, went to the first meeting with Rob in, in London, we sat down and said, I just want to make a good low alcohol beer. I said, no, no, no. You want to make a good beer. It just happens to be 0.5%. Yeah. Um, so that was always the goal, just to make really, really good beer. It just doesn't have any alcohol in it, uh, which it seems to bother some people. But, you know, I, I'll still quite happily sit down and drink an Imperial Stout here and there and just go out and get leathered just like any other brewer would. You know? <laughs> We're British. It's part of our culture, yeah. But um, I don't begrudge people who don't want to do that. That's absolutely their choice. Why not? Yeah. Um, it's funny how you're saying you, you got tagged for the, um, the tw- over 25 check um, buying a no alcohol beer which you know that one is 0.0 mm. and, yet, uh, and yet some breweries like poor buggers t- Tiny Rebel getting done over for having their beer being sold in a beer aisle and uh, oh, it's insane, isn't it? Getting done over saying it looks like a child's drink well no it doesn't but there you go <laughs> uh, what's, what's next for Big Drop Brewing? Uh, well we've um, just got uh we've been over in sweden and uh we're going to start stocking our pale ale over there in vast quantities and um once again we're still looking at building our own site uh mostly packaging side because mm-hmm. uh, contract packaging is so damn pricey uh so yeah just onwards and upwards uh build a brewery maybe and uh yeah. we've been winning lots of awards i saw on your website Sorry, you you won a lot of award, awards. Oh yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's what they tell me. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was actually I was at the World Beer Awards and um, I didn't know didn't even know we'd entered. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, yeah. yeah, it was on the winners' table. It's like, what's that doing there? Oh shit! <laughs> nice. And they get called up in front of everyone. It's like, oh, just lock me in a brewery, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, one other question I wanted to ask was, um, you, you talk about these um, dry beer festivals. Now, yeah. until I looked on the um, Big Drop website yes. um, earlier. Um, I I never knew such a thing existed. I mean, just oh, yeah. just for anyone like me who's, who's never heard of it before, what, what is it? Uh, basically, it's a collection of um, very cool, nice, lovely independent businesses for the most part, and they have uh, a range of things from you know there'll be kombucha or uh, uh, the square root guide. They usually are these sort of things doing a, a amazing, very flavorful, low alcohol sort of. Uh, drinks um, and it's usually stuff which is not so sweet it's a little bit more of an adult low alcohol low alcohol or um, soft drink mm. um, 
and they're just they're, they're flavorful and they're delicious and it just shows that people there is an alternative out there i mean we do have this culture of drinking which is fairly solid um but there are alternatives out there you don't have to feel compelled to drink yeah um and i think that's sort of just part of the message for people um and um yeah they're, they're really good there's always a good turnout and um People are always amazed at the sort of different flavors which are there and the alternatives you can have, and they're usually in sort of nice, quite big places like um, Bermondsey Square or uh, oh, I can't remember the place uh, where I was a few weeks ago. It's been a Christmas week. <laughs> I don't know where I am half the time anyway. Um, but yeah, they're, they're just really good. If you, if you get the chance to go to one, um, they're usually quite well advertised on um, drydrinker.com or. Um, Club Soda, they're, so they're on like, I don't know if you've heard of them, but they do, uh, um, they just, they love good quality booze or, or low alcohol booze rather. Mm. Um, and they just list all these wonderful places where you can go and get these things. Uh, you know, there's the, the clubsodaguide.com, got an online guide, you can go and find out where you can get good, you know, mocktails or our beer, you know, big yeah. Um Yeah, and they're great. And they've got a lot of followers, they've got nearly two and a half thousand followers on Twitter alone. So there's, there's definitely a demand there for them and they're just spreading the word, you know, so if you do get a chance, go along to one, you'll find yeah. it on, you know, on their guide and yeah, I highly recommend it. Sounds good. Finally, where do you see the brewing industry heading as a whole? Looking into your crystal ball. <laughs> uh, well, we are saturated, aren't we? Um, if you don't have a good USB, you can't have a USB anymore. It's got to be a good one. Um, you don't have an outlet for your beer. If your beer is not up to scratch, there's just no margin for error anymore. It's mm. got to be something really quite special or well-loved. Um, and we are, unfortunately, I think we're going to see a lot of these little breweries. We've got the most we've ever had in Britain at the minute. We're going to see a lot of them fall by the wayside. It's just the nature of things. Um, we're not going to be able to sustain all these guys, Yeah. Uh, which is another reason, personally, why I haven't started a, a bigger brewery. I'm going to keep going with Eucharist on a small level to help out other people. But um, I do think it's going to come down. The bubble will burst. It is bursting. Yeah. Uh, we've seen, you just go on the Ciba Classified, see how much gear is for sale. This is the whole reason um, I'm starting the Hot Forward podcast and sort of website because there mm -hmm. are a lot of people who entered the beer industry or entering the beer industry like I was several years ago, really wide-eyed and mystified mm -hmm. and, you know, looking at the American craft beer culture and homebrewing culture where these guys like, yeah, I started in my cellar, you know, whatever. Yeah. Now I'm running a 40 barrel plant and, yeah. you know, in some hick town in Ohio or whatever, you know, and it, yeah. it don't work like that. <laughs> it's a, you're yeah. in a business. Uh, it is. And that's the thing. I think the worst thing I've seen is where you get three people who like to homebrew together and they want to start a brewery. It's like, no, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. You need one, two maybe brewers, but you also need a salesman and a businessman or you know one of you must be able to brew one of you must be able to sell yeah. or run a business it's and then it's all once everything's set up it becomes logistics and that's it yeah um but i've, I've had several people come to me say oh johnny can you you know give me some advice or can you oh, we want you to be our consultant it's like my event and just don't do it yeah, that's, that's <laughs> well, the general advice don't do it <laughs> don't yeah do well you know they come from these unrelated backgrounds where it's fair enough they might have the 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 business side or something but they, they've only just started home, home brewing and they think much to my regret they think it's easy you know and it's like 
Uh, yeah, you know, home brewing is easy. <laughs> um, try churning out five or six different batches of the same beer, bang on every time. Uh, you'll get there eventually, but when you do, you've got you know, a couple of thousand liters of beer you need to sell, and bills to pay, staff to pay. It's like go and do a course at the bare minimum. You know, yeah. go, go and do a brew labs course or something, just to get an idea what you're getting into, and go and work at a brewery for a bit. You know, please God, don't just leave finance and then <laughs> try and set up your own <laughs> yeah. brewery. I mean, I, I left finance and I went and worked at a brewery for two and a half years. You know, got a good idea what I was getting myself into, and a lot of it, you know, not that much fun. Packaging, who likes packaging? Mm. Nobody. Mm. <laughs> well, I think it's almost seen as kind of like brewers are almost like indie rock stars. <laughs> to, to some people so it's kind of like you know the reality is you're working in a factory yeah very true. <laughs> you know very and true. There's, there's nothing glamorous about being covered in yeast yeah. and being <laughs> and having wet cold feet all day or getting yeah. or, or that and then getting you know scolded <laughs> the next yeah, yeah you're too hot you're too um hot. Or, or whatever yeah you know. all over you yeah or, or lying yeah. awake in the middle of the night thinking why have I got this flavor profile? You know, which where, where did that come from? I, the process was the same. What's yeah. what's why is this batch different? Or you know, why have I not hit my finishing gravity? That's and it. so it's, on. It's you know, it's it's the same for musicians though. That's yeah, right. my my wife is a musician, and uh, we sort of have a similar crossover of what people think the lifestyle is and what the actual sort of hard work inside of it is. Uh, for example, you go and play a two-hour gig, and they think you're getting paid for the two-hour gig. No, no, no. You're getting no. paid for the last ten years, of hard work and uh, training and uh, lessons, and you know all that stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. So thanks for joining us today, Johnny. I'm really looking forward to trying these beers. Um, where can people find out more about them and get hold of them? You can um, find out on Big Drop. Um, brew.com i think it is <laughs> uh we're also on twitter uh, just look for big drop you'll find it and uh, you can get them uh throughout london they're at um a lot of bars now um uh, but if you want to buy uh, go and buy yourself a good case of them which is a great idea come christmas you can go to drydrinker.com uh, where they supply plenty of them there um and uh wholesalers can get them from the usual suspects uh but um yeah we're out there um Go get it. And if you want any sort of bizarre insights into brewing, you can follow my Twitter, which is Guitars Gun Beer. <laughs> uh, you'll probably get a picture of me coming out of a kettle or something. Like that. Nice. Brilliant. Thank you very much. No worries. Cool. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast. As ever, you can go to hotforward.beer. There's more sort of content you can be reading on there. And check out our social media of Hot Forward Beers. And see you next time on the podcast.